0: to the RPC Sermons podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellprez.org. Thanks for listening. Morning again and happy Easter. It's a joy to be in worship with you on the most holiest, joyous day of the Christian year. I want you to know that in order to make it as confusing as possible, next Sunday, the modern service will be at 9 a.m., and the traditional service will be at 11.15 a.m., and one of the reasons we're doing this is just a temporary change, but we're trying to see what is the best worship schedule for our congregation, and we want everyone to be about 80 percent happy. So if you find yourself inconvenienced, there are people that were inconvenienced before with the previous schedule and other people that will be inconvenienced by the new schedule. We're just trying to find the best worship schedule for uh, the constraints that we're dealing with right now. And so we ask to use uh, St. Paul's words, to bear with one another, that we each carry the load a little bit. And so we do uh, hope that we can move forward as we uh, worship together both in the modern service at 9 and the traditional service at 11.15. Next Sunday, Dan, Christ will kick off our sermon series, Our Song Shall Rise. We're going to look at six great hymns of the church along with scripture passages from the book of Revelation. Now some of you are like, how in the world are you going to connect hymns with Revelation? Great question. Come next week, you'll see. All right. And then I am really excited to conclude our sermon series, Through the Cracks, today. Today is the culmination of all that has gone before in our Lenten journey. Seeing that through the, the cracks of Christ's crucifixion, that's how the light gets in. Our passage comes from the Gospel of Mark today. Mark 16, verses 1 through 8. Listen for the word of the Lord. When the Sabbath was over, But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb. For terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we ask that in the next few moments you might be our teacher, that you, by your spirit, might speak a word to our hearts that only you can speak. Lord, we ask that we might be transformed in here so that we might live transformed lives out there. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. And yet... They're the two most important words of my life. And yet, (laughs) doctors told my mother that she would never be able to have children. And yet, here I am. When my parents moved from Yakima to Spokane, when I was in kindergarten, my teachers told them, they said, Jeff is slow and he may not be able to read until maybe third or fourth grade. And yet, my parents put me in an advanced reading program and I haven't stopped reading since. During my junior year of high school, there in the school cafeteria, Brooke Olsendam held my hand and said, Jeff, I'm just not that into you. Broke my heart. World came crashing down around me. I thought it was all over. And yet, I found love again. (laughs) Or that time I applied for what I thought was my dream job. I didn't get the job. Didn't even get an interview. And yet, look where I'm at now. I could have never dreamed Roswell Presbyterian Church, and yet my life has been defined by those two small, powerful words, and yet. And Easter is the day where we celebrate the resurrection as the great and yet of the Christian gospel. You thought Jesus was left dead in the tomb, and yet. He's been raised from the dead. The disciples were sunk in despair, and yet He's been raised. You thought death was going to have the last word on your life and your loved one's life, and yet Jesus lives. The resurrection is the great and yet of the Christian message. And there are four great and yets in this story. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. I find it fascinating that Mark includes this detail, even though he knows the resurrection is going to happen. He says, and yet still they go to anoint his body. He will be raised from the dead and yet it's still okay to grieve what is gone. These three women had just Witnessed Jesus brutally crucified, hanging on a cross, suffering and dying. They had been there at the foot of the cross as all of his other followers had fled. They could see the nails in his hands, the, the, the bruises on his back, the crown on his head. They had witnessed Jesus' final death. They were scared, disappointed on the verge of despair. And yet, they still come to pay their respects and to grieve. If you believe in the resurrection, is it okay to grieve? Is it still okay to mourn? Being the parent of a two-year-old, I've been thinking about the debate between the two approaches to dealing with sadness and grief. The first approach goes, stop crying. In fact, I was dropping off my son at daycare the other day, and There was a father holding his four-year-old, and the four-year-old boy was having a major meltdown. And the dad said this, do you want to be a big boy? Big boys don't cry. This perspective on sadness sees tears as a weakness. It sees it as something to be avoided. The other perspective says, it's okay to cry when you're sad. It's okay to grieve what is lost, to express how you feel. Big boys do cry. Do you know what the shortest verse in the Bible is? Two words, Jesus wept. It appears in John 11, verse 35. It comes in a fascinating story. Mary and Martha call Jesus. They say, Lazarus, our brother, is deathly ill. Come quickly, yet Jesus tarries and waits two days. By the time he makes it to their home, Lazarus is already dead and he's in the tomb. Everybody's grieving. Jesus is going to go work his maybe greatest miracle and raise Lazarus from the dead. But it's interesting, before he does that, as he's walking to the tomb, John tells us Jesus stops and Jesus wept. Even though he knows what he's going to do, raise Lazarus from the dead. And yet, he still grieves, still weeps, enters into the depth of the human experience. It's okay to grieve what is gone. Jesus was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, and yet, Jesus wept. I know many of us over the last year have tried to remain positive Optimistic. Some of us, I know, or even feel guilty about feeling feelings of sadness, feelings of loss. He said, people will say, Oh, so and so has it so much worse. And that might be true. But it's still okay to grieve what has gone, what's been lost. The loss of a prom, the missed family reunion. Vacation. It's okay to feel the sadness of what is gone, to grieve. Remember that even though Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead, and yet Jesus wept. That's the first and yet. They'd been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? These women know that the stone is too big for them to roll away. And yet, they still keep walking towards the tomb. How many stones in your life are too big to roll away? And yet, you keep walking. How many naysayers are out there saying the boulders are insurmountable. You can't get around them. They cannot be moved. And yet... You keep going. How many cynics say the rocks of life are too formidable? Nothing's ever going to change and yet you continue to hope, you continue to believe, you continue to keep the faith, you keep walking. I'm fascinated by the ministry of Alcoholics Anonymous and other 12-step programs that build on its approach to addiction. The first step of AA states this, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. Our lives had become unmanageable. You would think that this is to admit defeat, to give in, to shut it down, to give up resistance, to admit you've lost. Seems like the stone of addiction is too big to roll away. And yet, there's a great and yet, A friend of mine who had his life saved by AA gave me the the big book. And under the first step, it has this comment. Listen to this. But upon entering AA, we soon take quite another view of this absolute humiliation. We perceive that only through utter defeat are we able to take our first steps toward liberation and strength. Our admission of personal powerlessness finally turns out to be firm bedrock upon which happy and purposeful lives may be built. There was a stone too big to roll away, and yet there's no stone too big for God. And these women point to the great and yet of God, that it's too big for them, but they keep walking in faith that God will roll it away. Maybe your addiction seems insurmountable, and yet, remember, it's not too big for God. Maybe your future feels over, you can't see a way out, and yet, remember, God can create a new future. Maybe the stones in your life seem too big to roll away. And yet, there's no stone too big for God. These women, they don't know what's going to happen. The stone is too big, and yet they keep walking. And the and yet of the resurrection is waiting for them. As they enter the tomb, an angel says to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. Then we have another great and yet. The angel says, but go. Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Remember, Peter has denied knowing Jesus three times, and yet the good news is also for him. The angel must know the self-flagellation, the shame, the embarrassment that Peter must have been feeling after he'd followed Jesus for three years almost every day. And then when the going gets tough, right when Jesus needs somebody to stand with him, Peter denies knowing him, not once, not twice, but three times. And yet, the angel says, the good news is also for Peter. And yet there's hope for Peter. No matter what you've done or how you failed, no matter the shame and embarrassment you might feel, no matter how you've let yourself or others down. And yet, just like Jesus was waiting for Peter, so he's waiting for you as well. You may feel like you've died, you're not going to survive, and yet, God is in the business of resurrection. You see, the resurrection means there's more grace in God than sin in you. Hmm. And then we have this amazing verse. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. They were terrified, amazed, and afraid, and yet they must not have stayed that way. How would we know? They were terrified and afraid, and yet this news is too good to keep to ourselves. They had to share it. The terror and amazement and fear almost got the best of them, and yet the story is just too good. They were silent and afraid, and yet they got over it. They had to let people know about it. There was a new beginning. One beginning had ended, and there was a new beginning in the resurrection. That one-hit wonder closing time. There's a little wisdom here. Every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. I always like that. Songwriter wrote that at the birth of his first child, and he recognized that one beginning was ending, but it was giving birth to a new beginning. It's a great and yet that a new beginning is starting. The resurrection is the great and yet of history. But that and yet means it's still okay to grieve and to feel sadness. It means that even though you face the insurmountable stones in your life, It's okay to keep walking. No matter how you think, you may have let God down, and yet, it's still for you. The resurrection is the great, and yet, it's too good to keep to yourself. These two words, and yet, are the most important words of my life. I would be remiss not to share with you where I have personally most experienced this truth. Many years ago when I was in my early 20s before I ever became a man I was married for a number of years trying t- to make it work I had a one life one wife marriage policy but despite my best efforts the relationship ended in a divorce I thought my life was completely over I was drowning in shame and embarrassment and despair. I thought it was over. And yet, (laughs) I discovered God's grace for myself. For the first time in my life, I really knew there was nothing I could do except throw myself on the grace of God. I knew Churches didn't want to hire divorced pastors. And yet, God decided to use that journey to help others on their journey. I knew I couldn't rely on my own perfection. And yet, I could rely on God's goodness and grace. My assumptions about what my life was going to be had to die. But in that death arose a new beginning, a new and yet. And I had no idea what was in store for me, the grand future that lay ahead. I thought everything had come to an end. And yet, God is in the business of resurrection and new beginnings. This is the message of Easter. No matter where you are today, I pray that you may feel the joy, the hope, the grace of God's great and yet. The resurrection is God's great and yet for you. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the great and yet of the resurrection. We pray that we might throw our very selves onto your love, your power, your grace, that it might transform our lives. In your name we pray. listening to the rpc sermons podcast please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register may the grace and love of god be with you today and throughout the rest of your week thanks for listening